Blog Talk Radio. Thessalonians chapter 1, and in this uh, mini-study, we're going to look at the second coming. Um, in part 1, we're going to think about the big picture. The big picture. Um, let's take an illustration. Uh, imagine with me a, a prisoner of war. Um, they're deep inside uh, um, the enemy's military prison and they uh they get word a secret word that uh there's there's plans for an operation to come in and extract them from uh the prison and uh back uh back home there are a lot of uh military personnel who are coming together to form a um a plan to rescue this prisoner of war and there's a lot of different elements to the plan uh, a, a lot of different people involved and uh, and 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 the the prisoner of war um, what they know though is this that uh, you know when, when things start to go down uh, they are to uh, get themselves, let's say, to the southwest corner of the prison courtyard. That's what they have to do. That's that's their job. And uh, you know, if they can do that, and all the plans come together, they're going to be extracted uh, from the prison. Um, big picture idea: uh, the the person in prison knows nothing about all the plans, all the personnel, all the details of how this is going to happen. What they know is that as things start to go down, they need to get to the southeast corner uh, of the courtyard, or the southwest, whatever it was. <laughs> I guess I would be left behind. <laughs> um, now I say this because I think when it comes to, to the study of prophecy. Um, yes, there there are a lot of details, and and honestly, it it it, it can be overwhelming and and kind of confusing. Um, so, uh, I think we have to just get the big picture, the big picture that anyone uh, could receive, adult or child. Um, we read the Bible to our kids and. Um, the things that I want my daughter Anna and and my my son Shane and and all the kids to know and understand, I need to know and understand as foundational level information, and then God will maybe add some details, some details that are you know being laid out in the war room. Um, but but I need to to get the overarching 
picture and and this idea of uh, uh you know missing the forest uh for the trees is is because we 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 might get too focused in on particular detail of the plan and not see the big idea we 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 miss the big idea and uh in this particular case with the uh the the rescue of the prisoner of war it's simple on uh his or her end get to the x get to that spot in the courtyard and uh and we'll get you out of there so um when we're going to you know study the second coming and there are obviously details we're going to get into some some studies uh you know looking at at at, at uh some particular words and and lord will and that'll help us to get a better understanding of 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 a timeline and how things are going to occur it it's all built off of of this and and we have it right here uh you know the 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 big idea right here in the book of second thessalonians we've leading up to verses uh 6 through 8 we saw earlier that the the Thessalonians they were being persecuted and Paul was very proud of them because they were enduring their through the persecution with with uh, much patience and faith they 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 were doing a good job and and then Paul says this in verses 6 through 8 since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ that's big picture stuff right there Hey, church in Thessalonica, you're being persecuted now. You're being troubled. But the day is going to come. The day when, when the second coming event happens. And when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. You're going to get rest. And trouble is going to be on the head of those who were troubling you. So even though you're in a prison now. Even though you're in a prison now, be faithful. Endure. Know what you need to do today. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> Get to the X. X marks the spot. Uh, simple things like that. Because soon and very soon, there's going to be the glorious revealing. And, and the Lord Jesus Christ is, is going to come back. And he's going to reign for a thousand years in his kingdom. Um, again, we're going to go on and we're going to look at some particular words here that that uh, will give us more information. We'll look at the New Testament um, and what it has to say about the revealing, the coming of the Lord, His appearing, all those sort of things. But uh, let me remind you of what James wrote. We We looked at this verse earlier in our studies. But he says this in chapter 5. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. 
Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. So the Lord is indeed coming back. He shall not leave us in the prison that we are currently in. And we shall be uh, partakers uh, with him in his, uh, his wonderful kingdom. And that's what we'll, we'll be moving on to look at. Uh, just topics related to the second coming of Christ. We're in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, looking at the second coming. Uh, this is part 2, the KISS principle. The KISS principle. You know, when you're studying prophecy, um, it can get pretty complicated. At least it, it, it can for me. You could get a little bit lost in the equations, in the details of things. So... It is uh, wise to uh, keep it simple, stupid. Notice there's no comma after simple, as some people have it these days. But the idea here, uh, which I think this comes from a rocket scientist <laughs> or an engineer, um, is just keep to the basics. They, uh, they uh, really will help guide you through uh the, the the details and the, the more complicated aspects. So, for example, here's a, an algebraic uh, equation. On the left side, simple sum, 1 plus 1 equals 2. On the right side, a little bit more complicated. you got to follow the uh, order of operation, if you remember that from math, PEMDAS. And so uh, we go parentheses inside out. 27 divided by 3 is 9. 9 divided by 3 is 3. 3 minus 1 is equal to 2. 2 equals 2. So this is a, a true statement. Uh, but obviously the, the right side is much more complicated than uh, the left side. But they are saying the same thing. And uh, the left is just in a simpler form. And uh, I think the Bible offers uh, both sides of this equation to us. Sometimes we get the, just the big picture, the simple 1 plus 1 equals 2. And then other times you get the right side where it's a, a little bit more complicated but gives you uh, greater detail. So when we're talking about uh, keeping it simple, stupid, we want to stick to this uh, left side of the equation, the, the just the basic. 1 plus 1 equals 2. And, and in doing so, uh, this will serve as literal building blocks for us. Uh, when, we, when we keep it simple, um, they, they, they'll serve as building blocks, building blocks that we all should have um, from the youngest to the oldest, because truth is truth. And uh, I, I believe that this is just the way God does it, and, uh, you know, 
maybe it emphasizes a bit of the you know the importance of giving children the word of god not getting too complicated with it with them just giving them the word and letting the holy spirit speak to them and uh as you see in this uh this picture here uh you have foundation stones they're they're bigger um they're the one plus one equals two kind of blocks but then as you go uh, uh, further up the wall here, uh, the stone structure gets a little bit more complicated, a little bit more detailed, and uh, obviously then you could be more decorative, you can do more things with uh, small stones, cut stones, curved stones, and all that. But uh, it all has to kind of stand on the foundation, the, 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 the simple truth. So um, that that's that's what we're kind of looking at here as in our study of the second coming um there are some simple passages and so here's one for example acts chapter one this is one that's been in my mind uh going back a quarter of a century now uh when i began to you know when i became saved and started reading the bible and had certain prophetic views um acts chapter one beginning at verse 6, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and the end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So, keeping it simple, stupid, would tell me that Jesus is going to come back in the clouds, and that would be the next event. Now, I'm not saying that there's uh, not going to be any details in between. Uh, there are. There's a lot of details. But this is sort of uh, well, it's keeping it simple, stupid. We have bookends here. We, you know, it's big picture items. Hey, Jesus was taken up this way on the clouds, and he's coming back on the clouds because, as we read in the Old Testament, that's always the way that God comes. He comes in the cloud. He comes in the fire. Uh, now, a another example to this is Matthew 24, and we we're not going to go through it, but let me read a couple verses at the beginning. Then Jesus went out of the uh, went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, "Do you not see all these things? Assuredly I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down." Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, "Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming?" and the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. And he goes on to begin speaking about it, Matthew 24, 
Matthew 25. Now, uh, what, what, I, what I'm thinking about here is that there, if you read prophetic uh, books and hear different uh, sermons and lectures, uh, you'll, you'll know that uh, there's a lot of jumping back and forth with these chapters. They'll say, well, this applies to the church, this applies to Israel, uh, this is this group and that group. And um, the idea of keeping it simple stupid is simply to say, if it was spoken to the disciples, and, uh, you know, Jesus just said, Here, here's the reply, and uh, then it, it, it applies to us today, all of it. Um, now, again, I'm not saying that, that uh, maybe halfway through the Lord, uh, you know, is teaching something that doesn't apply to, the, to disciples, to followers of Christ. Um, but what I want to just say in this mini uh, session here is that uh, initially, let's just keep it simple. Um, here's instruction to the disciples. And just like all the other instruction to the disciples, uh, we take it to ourselves as instruction for us as disciples of the Lord today. Um, and let me say it once again. There, there, there may be, as we move along, some deep details that come in uh, that that show us, you know, that right side of the equation stuff that, well, there's, there, you know, we could separate here and uh, this applies to this group. That uh, I'm not saying that that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm just saying let's not miss the big picture. This is, you know, because prophecy is so powerful. It really is. And, and so here looking at the, our, our chapter that we're in we are bound to thank god always for you brethren as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of god for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure which is manifest token of the righteous judgment of god that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when Jesus, the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ." There's a that's a big picture verse right there. You're being troubled, the Lord's coming back for you. So endure with with faith and patience and 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 grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and and you know looking at other Bible passages. There's things that God wants us to do and and we want to have this big picture uh day to day as we walk with the Lord and as we work our way through the Bible, as we read it all, uh, um, you know, from Genesis to Revelation, God is going to give us the details and, and kind of lay out a timeline for us. But uh, let us um, keep it simple, stupid. We're in a prison, and uh, soon and very soon, the Lord in all his glory shall be revealed, and he's going to reign for a thousand years in his kingdom. So next time we're going to start to break it down a little bit more and do some word studies uh, related to the second coming. All right, we're in 
Second Thessalonians chapter one. We're looking at the second coming, and uh, we're going to move on to a few uh, word studies. And our first one is um, the word "revealed." <clears throat> Verses six through eight of chapter one says, "Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you." And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this word revealed, it's a word you know in the Greek, uh, apocalypsis, that's a, a popular term. It's uh, Strong's number uh, 602 in the Greek, and uh, it, it, it means uh, unveiling, to be unveiled, to lay bare, to disclose. Um, and uh, you could kind of get the idea from this picture here. Um, as this sheet is pulled up little by little, there is an unveiling, a laying bare of the statue underneath um, this this word uh, the exact word is used uh, 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 just a handful of times in the New Testament the root word is used a number of times um, I want to take a look at uh, some of the passages and I'm I'm really going to just uh, skate over them quickly you go back and study them, but uh, these particular passages uh, we're, we're obviously looking at the second coming, so uh, note the relationship between the revealing and the second coming. First uh, Peter chapter 1 uh, let me go back to verse 3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Notice the connection with trial and uh, persecution and all that, that the genuineness of your faith, again another connection to Second Thessalonians, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, and notice this, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation, there's our word, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then down in verse 13, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So there is more grace to be given at the revelation, the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. Same book, Chapter 4, uh, verse 13, we'll begin at verse 12. Beloved, do not, 
do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. There we have the theme again. As though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. When his glory is revealed, and you know we've mentioned it already, but the the idea of glory is uh, just all wrapped up with the revelation, the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2, now this is going back into the first coming of the Lord, but the first coming of the Lord teaches us much about the second coming. Verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was a just and devout, uh, waiting. F he was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, and that's a different word for uh, than we're looking at, but it's the same concept. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation. There's our word. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So there's our word glory again and then over in over in the book of Romans beginning of verse 1 therefore you are inexcusable O man whoever you are who judge from whatever you judge another you condemn yourself for you who judge practice the same things but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things and do you think this O man you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same thing, same that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Now we have this idea of revelation being tied up with the day of wrath, which is uh, clearly a subject that we're, you know, is, is, is wrapped up in the second coming passages. So those are some New Testament ones. I want to look at a, a an Old Testament concept here in Micah of the unveiling, of the revealing. Um, and let me just read a little bit here. Uh, the word here that we're going to see is in verse 7 and has to do with an uncovering. Um, the word of the Lord that came to Micah at Moresheth. 
in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear, all you peoples, listen, O earth, and all that is in it. Let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place. So we have a coming passage. You know, that in quotes there, the, the Lord is coming. And so we want to note what, what, what is it like when God comes. And um, so this is very prophetic, this passage. Uh, he's coming out of his temple, out of his place. He will come down and tread on the high places of the earth. The mountains will melt under him, and the valleys will split like wax before the fire, like waters poured down a steep place. All this is for the transgression of Jacob, and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? Therefore, I will make Samaria a heap of ruins in the field, places for planting a vineyard. I will pour down her stones into the valley, and I will uncover her foundation. So there it is. It's verse 6. I think I just said verse 7. I will uncover her foundations. What is she built upon? We talked about that concept uh, uh, in terms of, you know, studying prophecy and building from a good foundation. Here, uh, we could think of it a different way. Um, and, and notice what it says, verse 7. All her carved images shall be beaten to pieces, and all her pay as a harlot shall be burned with the fire. All her idols I will lay desolate, for she gathered it from the pay of a harlot, and they shall return to the pay of a harlot. So, this is a coming passage, and the uncovering here, the revealing here, uh, is not about the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's about uh, the foundations of God's people. Um, when when we look at this passage, uh, or when we look at this idea of revealing, and again, I'm not I'm not trying to establish any timeline. I, I just want us to to look at the passages to get the big picture item that we you know items that we talked about. And as we read through passages like Micah, there'll be details added here that help us to understand the idea of revealing. And I think one of the things that we kind of begin to learn is that the, the revealing of the Lord is a process. The coming of the Lord is the pro, is a process. In Matthew 24, the disciples ask, what is the sign of your coming? Um, you know, you can maybe see a light in a distance, and it, it it's revealed to you, but it, it's approaching. You know, you could be still a distance away from it. <laughs> and so uh, something can be revealed to you uh, and and then actually come fully upon you uh, at a point in the future. And I think that's something we want to tie into our study of prophecy um, 
because uh, well, well, we'll eventually look at the word parousia, and that's more like an event. It's a it's these are these are events that are occurring. They have beginning points and ending points, and um, so with this concept of the revealing, there are a number of things that are being revealed. Um, and maybe over time as well. Uh, so just kind of keep that in your mind. And, and um, I, I guess with that in mind, the book of Revelation. I mean, this is this is our word, revealing. That is what the book of Revelation is. It is the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. Revelation 1.1, it's, it's the revelation, the revealing of, of Jesus Christ and um, talk about a second coming book <laughs> and it gives us a lot of events it's a it's a process there's a lot of things that are going on and so um, uh, you know this word revealing uh, here just you know in the short study of giving you some ideas um, uh, some things you can go and you could go back and study those words um, but the Lord is going to be revealed, and, and Lord willing, he's being revealed to us each and every day uh, as we get to know him, and, uh, and that is the goal. I know you'd say amen to that, that we would know him, that he would reveal himself to us uh, now, now, day to day as we walk with him, and then ultimately this whole world is going to have uh, the revealing of the Lord. So next time we're going to move on to uh, look at the word coming. The word coming. We're in Second Thessalonians chapter 1 looking at the second coming. Uh, the topic here in uh, this mini-study is the word to come. Uh, verses 9 through 10. These shall be punished. The, that would be those who were persecuting the Christians in Thessalonica. These will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. So this word uh, to come in uh, verse 10. It has two basic meanings uh, in uh, the New Testament. And, and um, by the way, the, the, the word in verse 10 is not exactly Erkomai, but it's from that family. And, you know, the, the Strong's Concordance, if it gave us every spelling of uh, each Greek word, it would, be, it would be mastiff because in, you know, in Greek they have suffixes and prefixes and there's uh, the gender and um, tense, um, all, all kinds of case settings. There's all different ways to, to write the words. So they, the strong concordance basically um, groups a, a family of words together, and I, I think the I think they're called cognates. You know the associated words. Um, so in this case, we have uh, the Strong's number is G two zero six four G representing Greek. Um, and so the, the, this uh, this particular word it, it, it's used in two ways. Uh, this first way to go uh, from one place to another, 
from one point to another to be in motion uh, is used many, many times in the New Testament, uh, although it's very rarely translated to go, even though I, I just used that word. Because <laughs> it is the idea uh, of, of motion, um, but it's generally translated to come. So it's motion from one point to another uh, and, and uh, a, a, you know, a coming to uh, that, that second point. Um, the other use uh, is the idea of uh, um, something uh, coming into existence or something occurring. And uh, we'll see this in a second uh, with the sixth seal in the book of Revelation. And I, I use this graphic. I had grabbed it off the Internet um, uh, and I did want to mention that I, I don't particularly think that the sixth seal is the end of time, but it will be the end of time as we know it. Uh, Jesus said, we're going to go back to the days of Noah and with the great earthquake uh, during the sixth seal, uh, I think we're going to be kicked back to a place where we have uh, a 360-day calendar year. Um, so let's let's take a look at just two uh, sections uh, that uh, show us uh, the two uses of this word to come. And really, I just, I just also want to say that uh, this can seem very, very basic. I uh, mean, we're talking about the word to come. But really, this is important because it's going to set us up by way of, um, I don't know if it's contrast or by difference, for the next word. We're going to look at the parousia next time which is also translated coming. Um, but it's important to see the difference between this word and that other Greek word. Um, so we'll, we'll emphasize that next time. But here in Matthew twenty-five thirty-one, when the Son of Man comes, Erkomai, in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. He's going to sit on his throne on this earth and he's going to reign for a thousand years he's going to fulfill the promises made to David well he is going to come because he's coming from heaven he's coming from one place to another from heaven to earth so here the son of man comes in his glory that's our word erkomai and then we have revelation chapter 6 the sixth seal I'm going to read pick it up in verse 12 it's very important uh chapter here um, a lot comes together at the sixth seal it says I looked when he opened the sixth seal and behold there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind and then the sky receded as a scroll when it's rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place and the kings of the earth, and the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the, notice too, the face of him who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, the Father and the Son. And then they say this in verse 17, For the great day of his wrath, and I would say that's the day of the Lord, the day of the Father's wrath. That day has come, and who is able to stand? So they, 
are seeing as heaven is ripped open and there's all kinds all this upheaval when they see the one who sits upon the throne they see the wrath of the lamb they're going to say that day it's come upon us here we are uh, in that day it's come upon us so a very important uh, use right there but let's pop back to Second Thessalonians and read this once again these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day when he erkomai when he he comes from one point to another from heaven in that day uh, we you got to get in there and understand what all these uh you know what this day mean in this particular case <laughs> but it does say here to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed so uh, we need to really get in and start looking at the next one, Perusia, uh, which will help us to translate verses like this, or at least to better, not translate, but to understand, get a better understanding of what's what's going on here. Um, and so we're gonna we're gonna do that next time. We're gonna take a look at uh, the idea of the Perusia, the arrival, the very presence of the King of Glory. We're studying the second coming. Uh, we're up to Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse one, and uh, in this mini mini study, we're going to look at the parousia, the coming, the parousia. Verse one says, "Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken." in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ had come so there was some confusion in the church some deception about the parousia of the Lord Jesus Christ and Paul wanted to uh, make some things clear um, so our word is uh, this word parousia that uh, appears in Verse 1, it is uh, Strong's number uh, 3952, G3952, and it has two uh, basic meanings um, that uh, I'd like to uh, I'd like to read from the complete uh, biblical library because it it uh, it lays it out pretty good for us um, what this peru word parousia means. Uh, it's from the verb paraemi, itself a compound of para, meaning beside, and emi, meaning I am. So it means presence. The term may also denote property, fortune, military strength. Furthermore, it also denotes the arrival of someone or something. Secular Greek has abundant examples of this last meaning. In the papyra, for example, a woman writes that her presence, perusia, is necessary in order to take care of certain financial concerns. 
On an inscription in Tegia, it is recorded of Hadrian, the emperor, in the year of 69 of the first Perusia of the god Hadrian in Greece. And this Perusia marked the beginning of a new era. The word's use as a technical expression for official visits by royalty or other eminent people provides a critical background for understanding the New Testament's use. So, when uh, Greek scholars, the word, word you know, Hebrew scholars, when they talk about a technical expression uh, related to the Bible, it, it's supposed to be a term that when you hear it, it directs your mind uh, down a certain path. So, uh, when the word parousia is used, it, it clearly will be separated in your mind that we're not talking about erkomai, what we looked at last time. That's the general idea of coming. Now, this had more to it. This had to do with the physical presence of a very important person, and, and often it, that important person was one of royalty, one of royalty. So, uh, there's a number of verses in the New Testament that, you know, make it very clear the idea of uh, Perusia speaking about the physical presence of someone. Uh, I'm going to leave a number of the verses uh, for you to go ahead and look up. I, I'm going to read first. Thessalonians 2 Paul writing he says for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming so clearly it's spelled out there now I do want to mention uh, that with that second Peter uh, verse chapter 1 Peter says that uh, he was an eyewitness to the majesty of Christ, that uh, he had a parousia experience. and then, So read the Second Peter 1 uh, verse there, verses, and then go back to Matthew 16 and read the last few verses, and then read on into Matthew 17. And you're going to see Peter's parousia experience. He was in the presence of a, a, a glorious one. And, uh, you know, he, he records it. So you go ahead back and back and read that. It's a pretty cool stuff. Now, the other idea is, uh, as we read there in um, the definition, was the idea of, uh, there, you know, the, it's the presence of someone who's very important. So physical presence, but of, uh, of royalty, of somebody uh, of, of, of great importance. And so... It is a perfect word to describe the the coming of our king. Now, this is brought up in the Olivet Discourse, and we're not going to cover the whole thing. I'm just going to mention a few things, and I'll leave it to you to go in and study it. But it says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, 
when will these things be and what will be the sign of your parousia and of the end of the age so they're asking when will these things be and what will be the sign of the parousia now if you read through the Olivet Discourse you're going to see different words for come so for example uh, verse 5 for many will come in my name that's the word ergomai so uh, I, I mentioned in our last study that the word ergomai is hundreds of times in the New Testament but uh, parousia uh, and its related forms is, I think, only used 24 times altogether. So, uh, on the screen here, uh, I'll have, here's four, uh, Matthew 24, 3, 27, 37, 39. We just had a few that I gave. Uh, by the end, we'll we'll have laid out all of the verses, and you could pause the video and jot them down. This way you know that here in these verses is is the, this very technical word that speaks about the arrival of the king. And and it's not so much, although it's related to his coming, but his actual presence. Now that's going to help you. If you know that, it's going to help you in translating and understanding uh, certain, not translating, I keep I said that last time, but in, in understanding, interpreting certain passages. So, Here's a, a list of uh, a lot of the other places that it's used. So again, if you want, jot that down and you can uh, uh, maybe uh, go in and study each one of those. But I want to uh, take a look at one key one, one of the last ones, from the book of uh, the epistle of First John, chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his parousia. That's going to happen, brothers and sisters. One day we're going to be with our king in his kingdom, in his very presence, and sharing in his incredible glory. So that's uh, second coming passages, the parousia. Uh, I'm not sure the direction that we're going to be going towards next time, but we're going to continue these studies. Um, and uh, we'll probably just uh, move right along, speak about the gathering together uh, there in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2.